I came back to it because my, again, I use cheesy language, I guess, but my heart was like speaking to me and I had to like get it out on paper. Yes. Welcome to the Find Your Voice podcast, a show where we believe in the power of the written word to create positive change in your personal life, your community, and the world. I'm your host, Allison Fallon. Whether you're an aspiring author or someone who swears they're not a real writer, we're here to show you how a regular practice of writing will help you access your intuition, make an impact, and find your voice. Join me for interviews with authors, writing prompts, and stories of how even simple words change lives. On today's episode of the Find Your Voice podcast, I interview Melissa Johnson, a writer, a therapist, a podcaster, and a client of Find Your Voice. I wanted to get Melissa's story on the podcast for you for a couple of reasons, but the biggest reason is I wanted you to hear her journey of starting with an incredibly vague idea that she needed to write, but she wasn't sure exactly what that meant, to learning what she wanted to write about, but not really knowing what direction to take with it, to writing a very messy first draft without having any idea where this would go or where it would take her, to finally turning that idea into a book, a platform, a movement, and a life purpose that is bringing her deep satisfaction and joy. Keep in mind as you're listening that Melissa's journey is not perfect. By that I mean it's not completely linear, it's not without roadblocks or frustrations, and it's not the story of instant success that so many of us say we want. The thing about those instant success stories is that they're super rare, first of all. It feels unfair of me to share them with you here and act as if it's totally normal. And second is when we haven't clearly defined the success that we want, Sometimes the success we picture in our minds is not actually the success that's going to satisfy us. So that's what I want you to listen for in Melissa's story. I want you to hear what she gains from investing in the writing process, even when things don't go the way she thought they would. I want you to hear how she grows as a person. I want you to hear how her message grows and becomes even more impactful. I want you to hear how her book goes beyond just a book and becomes an entire movement for her. It becomes her advocacy work. It becomes her lifelong mission. So if you've ever felt that familiar tug that you need to write, but you're not sure why, Melissa describes this like her heart speaking words that she had to get down on paper. I know that Melissa's story of perseverance in the midst of rejection is going to encourage you to get started or maybe to keep going no matter where you are in the process. I'm so, so, so excited to share this encouraging story with you. So without any further delay, let's jump right in. All right. I'm so happy to welcome Melissa Johnson to the show. Hi, Melissa. Hi. After all of our technological difficulties, which no one else got to, <laughs> to hear the drama of, but weeks later, here we are, finally recording. I am so excited to chat with you today. There are a bunch of things I want to talk about. I especially really want to talk about your journey to outlining, writing, editing, completing your book, getting your book out there in the world. And I know you're still kind of like in the middle of it, but we have so many listeners who are also in the middle of it in one way or another. And so I just thought your story would be really encouraging for them. 
Let's start though with the question that I always start this podcast with, which is what does it mean to you to find your voice? Yeah, for me, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm um, excited to be here. It's great. What does it mean to me to find my voice? This is going to sound like such a nerdy answer, but I do think it's um, integration. And what I mean by saying that is it's meant healing and I think integrating my experience and again, the nerdy part, integrating my brain. Once we get into my story, I will kind of expound on that a bit, what I mean, but finding my voice and being able to write my story has been life-changing, not to sound cheesy, but yeah. So that's that's the short answer. I secretly am a nerd with you and I love the word integration. Mm-hmm. And I know I know background to your story that not every listener knows, but I know that you're a therapist and work in that setting. My dad is a, a clinical psychologist. I grew up around a lot of therapy talk and the word integration to me is such an underutilized word. So can you talk a little bit more about that and feel free to get into parts of your story if if that is helpful to you to describe what it means to be an integrated person? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, again, the nerd, nerdy part of me is like, I want to research and give all the terms correctly. But, <laughs> but basically, I was, I was in a space a space in my life where I was so much in, I'll just say more of my left side of my brain, which is more of that logical following the script type of a place. And I had lost touch with that creative, intuitive part of me for a lot of reasons. But I think inviting writing back into my life allowed me to tune into that inner voice and that intuition through creativity in a way that reintegrated those parts of my brain that really like I said ended up being exceedingly healing for me and I don't I don't know how God works in the midst of all of this but as a result of that integration healing has taken place in my life in addition to like setting a new trajectory for my sense of purpose in the world as well mm. and I, I can't remember if I've answered all parts of your question was there something I left on untended to no okay. that was it I think I was just wanting our listeners to hear for me at least and you can tag on to this with your professional expertise but for me, integration has been so much about avoiding the tendency we have to reject parts of ourselves mm-hmm. and say, you know, there, I think this is a very strong tendency, especially in the Western world and especially in the 21st century where we're in the self-help lane and really wanting to improve ourselves and become the best people that we can be, which is all great and wonderful. But we tend to get in this mindset where we think that old part of myself that was so scared or sad or, you know, played the victim or was depressed or whatever it was. I'm, I'm over that part of myself Mm. and I'm moving on. And to me, Mm. the reason I love that you use the word integration for voice is because for me, integration has meant embracing and accepting all parts of myself and making space for those parts of myself to still exist and, and also not to let them be driving the ship. But I think that's kind of what you're getting at. And then you even made the connection to having a sense of purpose in the world, but that's so much what, you know, we, it's part of why not part it's most, (laughs) if not all of why I teach people to use writing as a practice for self-growth because writing is an incredible way to integrate. It brings you into touch 
with the part of your parts of yourselves that you have disowned mm-hmm. and helps you kind of cultivate a relationship with them mm-hmm. and renew your sense of compassion for those parts of ourselves that we so often forget or abandon. Yes. And just to kind of go off that too, just instead of discarding or as if we could discard the broken parts, but <laughs> pretending trying to cut off from those pieces, I think writing as well gave me the courage to dive into it and know that as I do, that those places can be healed and reintegrated into the whole of who I am. But I think it did give me the bravery to, or tool, I guess, to dive into those spaces of brokenness. I love that. So let's talk about your relationship to writing. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about like when, how long have you been writing? When did you first decide that you wanted to be a writer or to write more often? I don't know how you would have articulated it, but Mm -hmm. talk to me about like when that came up for you. Yeah, I think it's interesting, like looking back at when I was, you know, elementary school and like maybe junior high or something, I I loved writing and I love like creative, making up like creative stories and things like that. And it's interesting though, I, I do think as I went into college and graduate school, I as you mentioned, I'm a therapist and I think I became more like achievement oriented with my studies and I did write, but it was much more assignment oriented and not necessarily like Mm -hmm. intuitively based. And so I do think I lost a bit of uh, a connection with, with a certain type of writing and, and, and I'll just say the writing, I came back to writing because I had to, I guess would be a short way to say it. And, and the reason why I say that, so like I mentioned, so I was, I was working as a therapist when it came, came to light via some some very like real conversations with my therapist at the time that the ways I was engaging food and exercise was actually, I had symptoms of an eating disorder and I had, as it turns out, been steeped in that disorder and these beliefs for like probably over a decade. And so it, it came to the point where my therapist recommended like, hey, I think it's time you take a pause and, you know, dive into this issue, which was the last thing I wanted to do. So after some some denial, I did end up <laughs> doing going into some intensive work around the eating disorder. And in the midst of that journey, it ended up being a longer journey than I thought it was going to be. And I was also going for my second master's degree in spiritual formation at the time. And so during the day I was being stripped of these old narratives of food and exercise and my body. And in the evenings I would go home and do intensive study around spiritual formation. Wow. That was kind of a crazy pairing. But then, I don't know, probably like six-ish months in, I started to see the the whole thing in a different way. And what I mean by that is I was able to take a step back and first of all, see that if I wanted to, if I wanted my life back, this was actually standing in the way of life and living fully. And I was also just totally blown away by the depth of brokenness of our narratives around beauty and these women that, and some men were really, um, the shame that came from those unhelpful narratives was so like palpable in those rooms, those treatment rooms. It became clear to me that I 
I couldn't like go back to life as it was. I had to speak to this issue of our our society and actually the narratives that I believed that were like symptomatic of an eating disorder, the water we swim in in our culture. Yeah. So I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, how come we're not talking about this more? Because also a lot of my work has been with women and adolescent females. And so, so much body shame. And I just realized more and more like, wow, this shame is actually standing in the way of not only mental and emotional health for women and adolescent females and girls, I think, actually. Yeah. It is actually, I think, taking a lot of energy and headspace and heart space away from maybe where their, like, our true purpose lies. So in the midst of that, I just started writing because I was so struck by these issues. And as I started to write, I didn't know where it was going to go. So how I came back to writing after abandoning it throughout graduate school and stuff in a more creative sense, I'll say, I came back to it because my, again, I use cheesy language, I guess, but my heart was like speaking to me and I had to like get it out on paper. Yes. That's not cheesy at all. That's a great way to say that. Your heart is speaking to you and you have to get it out on paper. That's, I would say, incredibly common language to hear Mm -hmm. that I hear writers use all the time about why they feel drawn to write about the particular topic they feel drawn to write about. Mm. Usually it's their life's message, which they're simultaneously living. This is your story too. Mm -hmm. You're living the message. You're, you're being transformed by the message. You're having all these realizations and epiphanies and writing the words down in some ways is to help solidify, to help you kind of name and understand what's happening to you. And then also to help you deliver and transmit that message to someone else, hopefully in the future, even if it's one other person, even if it's your a client who's sitting in your office, or if it's you know hundreds of thousands of people who are reading what you've written. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, talk to me about what that process was like for you. So, you you kind of start. Sounds like in the the first step was my heart is speaking to me. I've got to get these words down on the page. And that first step, I'm assuming, is just kind of like the messy first draft just dumping what's in your brain, what's in your heart, what's in your body and getting the words down on paper. Then what, what happens after that? Yeah. So I think the beginning was just almost like dumping out this anger and some of these, I think it was like a healthy anger for sure of like this and like the injustices I was seeing. And I just had all of this energy around it. And I I didn't think I, this was, I didn't know if this would ever be a book or a full manuscript or anything like that. But I think that it just kept stirring in me like this, like I need to keep writing. And at that point is when I actually, I don't know how you, I always started following you, Allie, because um, I don't really like I'm more into social media now, but at that point I was not at all. <laughs> so it's like actually like miraculous to me that I ended, was on your email list. You were like the only email list I like signed on for. <laughs> and somehow I was on a, a silent retreat and I this email came up for one of the Nashville workshops that you were hosting. Yeah. And it was like the way, like the language in it. I was like, 
oh my gosh, this totally fits what I need to do. Like Hmm. basically like, do you have this burning idea and you don't know where to go next? I was like, yes, that's me. (laughs) So I went on that, like that whim. I'm not like a, let's fly to another city and like do conference type of a person. (laughs) (laughs) But I just was like, in my gut, I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to do this. And again, on that recovery from an eating disorder journey, like becoming more in touch with your intuition, at least for for me, was huge. Um, Mm. And my, my own faith tradition, and what I learned is to identify that as is like this voice of God within me and these nudges of these intuitive nudges. And so yes. I was like, I think, I think I have to go. And there's some other details that made it interesting that my friends were going down that same weekend and whatever. So it was kind of crazy. And so then when I got to the conference, it ended up being exactly what I needed. And you introduced us, I think, to the story arc. And like, I had all of this like pent up passion and anger and like, like advocacy in me. And I just didn't know where to go with it. So I really needed structure. And so that Mm -hmm. weekend, let me know, like gave me hope, like, oh, there is a structure here. Like there is, it was an invitation for, for structure that I didn't know was out there. It was such a valuable experience. And I did do that one-on-one coaching with you. Virtual Um, book outline sessions are what we do for authors now. Obviously the world has changed quite a bit in the last couple of months. So most of the work we do now is virtual, although we used to do a lot of in-person one-on-one coaching. Okay. Yes. Yep. So, so I did one of that, that day with you and it was invaluable to like sit down with, with you and kind of lay out the, I don't know, I felt like you're very well trained at like asking specific questions to know mm. the direction, like, okay, well, where, like, where is this going? Yeah. So by the end of the day, we had like, a, I think I had like 12 chapters. That was like a, a godsend. And when I buy into something or believe in something, I like become like the biggest advertisement for it. So <laughs> <laughs> like my friends, I've, I keep recommending you to people. I'm like, oh, you should check out Ellie Phelan. But just because I found it so valuable to kind of bring, again, put some structure and help me know where, where I was going. Cause mm. it just felt like a lot of thoughts and emotions. Yeah. Yeah. So, so talk to us about the clarity that came from that session. Like if you had to say now in one or two sentences, what your book is about, what do you say when people ask you that? Yeah. So the book is about redefining beauty as the life of God at work in us and among us versus unhelpful cultural ideas Mm. around beauty that promote shame. Such a necessary paradigm shift for so many people. I'm sure that there are many Many people listening, you know, this is definitely an issue that strikes women, particularly in our culture, because of the way that women are marketed to and spoken to and cultured. But it doesn't, that doesn't exclude men from being a victim of of similar kinds of cultural ideals. For sure. Okay. So you, your heart is speaking to you. You decide you're going to start putting words on paper. Step one. Step two is you kind of start to, reach out for a little bit more help and structure. So starting with a workshop you come to with me in Nashville and then hiring me to come to you. I think I came to you, right? I remember. Yes. Yep. You did. So then we sit down for a full day together and kind of outline this idea and unpack it so that you have a really clear idea of what you're trying to communicate to a reader. And then what, then what Mm -hmm. comes next after that? I can't remember how long it took me, but I crafted the proposal now that I knew what my, my overall structure of the book was going to be. And also, I think, you know, laying out the book in that structured way also helped me get to the core of like, well, what is my message mm. versus like this ball of anger and advocacy <laughs> and frustration? <Yeah>. Um, like, 
Yeah. So then I, I crafted the proposal. And then over the next nine months, I, I started teaching that year as well. I teach a class on soul well, soul well-being at a university here. So it was a busy year. But throughout that same school year, I was sending out my proposal to different agents. And then I did get picked up by an agent, I think like the following spring. So like nine months after I had worked okay. with you. Yeah. And then that next summer, we, the agent and myself, he, he worked on pitching it to different publishing houses. And the general feedback was that the, they liked the idea. They liked the writing. They agreed that it was an important topic. The problem was, was that I didn't have a large enough platform. Mm-hmm. So then by the end of that summer, I was like, my agent was like, you know, sorry, basically either, you know, your, your choices would be like self-publishing or you could work on your platform for a while and then we could try repitching eventually. And so at that time, honestly, I was really disappointed. Sure. <laughs> I'm like an I'm introvert. My husband tells me I'm not an introvert because I like to talk to people a lot, but you know, I'm, I'm an extroverted introvert, <laughs> I, but I'm not someone who's like, I wasn't big in social media, like I mentioned. And I, it just felt like self-promotion, which felt kind of gross to me. Um, But then Jared, my husband, he's like, you know what? This doesn't need to be about you. It's about, it can be about your message. And, oh, actually I should also mention over that same summer that we were pitching it, I completed the manuscript. So I, I was working as doing in a private practice at that point. And I pulled back some hours so I could finish my manuscript over the summer and um, so by the end of the summer, I had actually completed the manuscript in very rough draft, but I knew like what my message was. It was an invitation yeah. to true beauty, which I wouldn't have known if I hadn't completed the manuscript, what my, my like the core of my message was. Hmm. So yeah, then I started Impossible Beauty. And once I actually, once I started writing like the copy for the website, it just like flowed because I was like, yeah, this is, yeah. this is what it is. You knew your message. You were clear on your message. Yeah. So, okay. So you're in this limbo period. I want to just point out a couple of things yeah. for our listeners who are going to really resonate with this, this limbo that you're in, mm-hmm. because I cannot explain to you how many authors hear the, the feedback. Great idea. Great writing. You know, we see how this book could be really valuable for readers, but you don't have a platform mm-hmm. and it can be really, really, really discouraging feedback to hear. And I, I also, by the way, I have what publishers would call like alisonfallon.com and, and my Instagram handle and whatever mm-hmm. is what publishers would call a mid-sized platform. Mm-hmm. So I have like what, 14,000 followers on Twitter as of, or on Instagram as of uh, this week, as we're recording this, I think I've got like 12 or 13 or 14,000 on Twitter. I, I think I have like 40,000 people who like my page on Facebook. The only reason I'm saying the numbers is just so that people can get a sense of of what a publisher considers to, to be a giant platform versus, you know, kind of like a maybe, like a gray area. Yeah. And so I've gotten rejections and pushback from publishers as well that have said, you need to grow your platform. Mm-hmm. And I just would like to stop and I, I want to linger on this for a minute because I want to talk both about what it felt like for you to hear that kind of feedback, what your response to it was, which I think was really beautiful. And it, what advice you might give to another writer who's in this position who just thinks like, God, the thought of growing my Instagram platform sounds miserable. <laughs> <laughs> so so start with how it made you feel. I mean, you talked about feeling really disappointed. It's definitely, a, there's a sting of rejection if I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth, but that's how I felt. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely the rejection piece. I mean, I think at that point, 
I have, and probably I'm, I'm guessing people who have gotten to that point, you've invested, I mean, a lot of time and a lot of heart and mind energy. Yeah. And money. I mean, you had invested in coming to Nashville for the workshop. You'd invested in paying me to come out to outline this thing. It's time, energy, and resources all invested. And it's it's really challenging. I just want to acknowledge that for you and for anyone who's listening, that it's really, really challenging to make that kind of investment and then hear someone say, we can't publish you because you need more Instagram. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. Uh, so those are like the the emotions. And and for me, to be totally honest, I think, I like think theologically often and I'm like, well, what the heck? Like, I feel like God was leading me to do this because what else is this in me? And like, yeah. is this not going to, I, I don't like, what is just all sorts of theological questions as well, which yes. I don't know if that's unique to me, but that was definitely where my mind and my heart went as well in that space. Yeah. I mean, theological or philosophical or or whatever your worldview is, it can leave you wondering, like, what was the purpose of all of this? What's the meaning of all this? Was this all just a waste of time? But I want to point out that your response to the rejection was to push forward in clarifying your message. It pushed you to start your website and your movement. Mm -hmm. And you also started to say something let me see if I can think of how you started the sentence and then you could finish it. You said something like you don't think you would have done, maybe you were talking about the website, if it hadn't been for mm. the rejection. Is that, oh, is that that's, fair? Yeah, a thousand percent true. Yeah. If I hadn't been totally pushed to do it because I was so passionate about the message and like, yeah, for, for sure. That's very true. Yeah. You're you're almost like it's like a roadblock thrown up in front of you. You realize you aren't going to be able to publish this book unless you do this other thing. <laughs> and so you're like, I care so much about this message. I, I have to get it out there. <laughs> and and what I want to point out for people who are listening is that part of what happens during that time is the advocacy work that you've been doing, the it gets fueled even further. And the message gets even clearer and you get more motivated to, you said the word self-promotion and I'm so glad you said that word because it's something that I hear from so many writers and it's definitely something that I felt myself. We feel like growing an Instagram platform, it feels yucky and it feels like self-promotion to us and it feels uh, self-involved. That's another word I hear people say, or self-indulgent. That's another word I hear people say, but there are, there comes a point when if you care enough about the message that you want to put out there in the world, we have to jump the hurdle of feeling like I don't deserve to take up that kind of space or who would want to hear from me or why should my voice matter? We have to just decide that our voice matters enough to 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 be the one to speak the message. That's why our voice matters because we're going to be the one who's going to say to women everywhere, you know, the, the water you've been swimming in is tainted. <laughs> Get out of and realize that, you know, that there's another way to do this. So yeah, I just want to point out that that was your response in the space of rejection. That's a really, really important response for any writer to have. I think the other reframe that was helpful thinking about like the idea of platform, my friend, uh, I don't know, Pastor Steph, so Steph O'Brien, she, I had heard her um, I don't know if she said it directly to me or if she had said it like on a podcast or something, 
just like the you know platform literally is someone standing on a box so that they they can reach more people like so more people can mm-hmm. hear the message and that was a really helpful reframe for me because i was thinking well yeah i guess my goal would be to help more people or get this message to who could benefit from it. And so I suppose mm-hmm. like, yes, logically that makes sense that the barrier platform, the more you can actually, you know, the more people you can reach. So for yes. me, that was, that was helpful as well. I also think another helpful distinction for me is to think about how I think we tend to think of a platform in general as kind of yucky, like, and not everybody has this paradigm, but we can get stuck in this mindset where we think, we look at Instagram influencers, for example, as a whole, and we think like, okay, so all you have to do is take really pretty pictures that aren't at all representative of your real life and put them on Instagram and put an inspirational caption next to it. And you can get hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram, but does that mean you're really creating any kind of positive difference in the world? No. And I think it's important to recognize that it is possible to grow a platform without having a strong message. This is why I do the work that I do at Find Your Voice because I've watched this happen. It is possible to grow a platform without having a transformative message for your readers, but it also is possible to grow a platform with a transformative message. And usually the platforms that have transformative messages are, they have a deeper impact on their audience they have a more long lasting impact on their audience. They're less likely to be like that flash in the pan and they have a truer impact on their audience. So the two things aren't mutually exclusive. I don't think you have to, in order to have a transformative message, you have to say like, I'm anti-platform. I won't, I won't, you know, promote myself. I think you can absolutely promote yourself and your message and also have a transformative message. And I actually think those voices in the world tend to be the most powerful and they tend to be the ones that we remember for the longest because those are the the ones that you the books that have done really well in the marketplace that you still hold very close to chest even though they're 20 years old their truth still rings true for you and you still hang on every word and re read and reread all of the quotes and they're the quotes that you stick on your mirror on a sticky note because they're such helpful reminders for you so I just think it's important for writers to remember that. Yeah, no, that's good. So, okay. So you've been through this really long process. Still at this point, it's a question mark how your book is going to get into the world. It's going to get into the world, but we just don't know how yet. And I'm curious what you would say to a listener who is anywhere in the process. Maybe they're the same spot that you are, or maybe they're at the beginning and they're going, why on earth would I ever enter into this long, treacherous journey, if it means that there's, you know, you've, you've been at this for two years now, and there's still a question mark about how the book will live in the world. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking (laughs) the word that comes to mind is this sense of like integrity. What I mean by that is like being brave enough to speak what's true within you. And then wherever for a writer, obviously that means I would encourage them to keep speaking that truth via the medium of writing as would be in the case for a writer. The reason being I was, I have been kind of shocked or surprised the more I spoke what was true within me. I've been really surprised what's emerged in terms of 
diving deeper into my own healing process, into like advocacy work, into a deeper sense of purpose as I do work on impossible beauty. Like it's kind of crazy. Like I'm able to do things that are, I'm really passionate about. I'm able to write and interview people who are fascinating to me. Yeah. It's just been really an unexpected and interesting journey. And so I would encourage whoever is anywhere in this journey to um, notice what's true within you, what wants to come forth Mm. and to to keep at it. Because I mean, yes, it would be helpful. The book seems important and the personal transformation and the heart, like actually connecting with your, with your heart and your intuition and what's true within you is, is most important in your life and in in my life. Yeah. You mentioned interviewing some, some really fascinating people you've interviewed. Tell me if I'm wrong, but Rob Bell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On your podcast, you've interviewed Lisa Gunger. You've interviewed me. You've interviewed Becca Stevens of Thistle Farms, who's like a beautiful, beautiful soul of a woman. Who are some other favorites that you've interviewed? Yeah, um, I interviewed Bob Goff, and oh, wonderful. yeah, so yeah, he's super encouraging. And I don't know if you, if anyone remembers uh, the Freedom Writers movie. Yes, yes. So I interviewed Aaron Gruel, the teacher who was played by uh, Hilary Swank in the in the film. I love it. I would highly recommend that interview. Is like she's just like a, a crazy amazing person. Um, I don't know. There's a, an artist, Makoto Fujimura. He's written several books and he has like the waterfall mansion in New York City. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, I've been shocked at some of the conversations I've been able to have. And as I dive more into this concept of true beauty, I don't know, it's just this really mysterious and amazing topic that I just, I feel like my, there's like soul expansion as I'm able to have these conversations. Yes. Which I think what you're getting at is that soul expansion is much more deeply satisfying than the platform expansion. Although Hmm. the platform expansion is an incredible tool to be able to, to keep delivering this important message to the world. But Hmm. at least for me, and I I think it sounds like you would agree with me on this, that the kind of personal transformation you experience through the process of writing down a message and refining the message is so much more rewarding in the end than having a bunch of followers on Instagram. For sure. Yes. Yeah. And, and reminded me of passions that, that I forgot about. Like I grew up wanting to be a journalist and now I get to interview people um, currently oh, over the podcast. Lovely. So yeah. I love it. Okay. So I want everyone who's listening to go listen to your podcast. Can, how, what's the easiest way for them to find it? Yeah. So if you go to, I mean, so it's on iTunes and um, Stitcher and it's impossible beauty podcast. And then the website is impossible-beauty.com. And so the interviews are accessible via the the, um, website as well. Perfect. That's amazing. Well, Melissa, I just am really excited for you and proud of the way that you have, you use the word integrity. That's a perfect word. It, you've stuck with this process, even when it hasn't made perfect sense, or even when you've gotten rejection letters, even when you've wanted to give up. And I think these are the messages that really create long-term transformation in our readers and in our world. So, so thank you for your commitment to that. And I really, um, I'm urging all of you who are listening to, especially if this is an issue for you, that hits close to home. And maybe if it, if you're not even sure that it hits close to home, you know, like you talked about at the beginning of this episode, Melissa, you, you weren't 
definitely consciously aware that you were exhibiting these signs and symptoms of an eating disorder. And I would argue most women in our culture today have a, have a dramatic relationship with food that is, you know, probably in some ways unhealthy. So it's a conversation that we all could stand to be included in. And I'm really glad you're starting the conversation. And I hope everyone listening goes over and goes over and listens to your podcast and checks out your website. Thank you so much. And we're all cheering you on. We're putting all of our writerly energy behind you. (laughs) This book, I, like I said, it will come out in the world someday. And I just, I pray for you that it's sooner than later. Mm, Thank you. That really means a lot. Thanks for having the courage to share your experience with us today. The last question that I always ask that we wrap up with has to do with this idea that words create a powerful transformation inside of us personally. And then that's a transformation that we can send out into the world. So if you had to put into words, the kind of impact or transformation that you'd want to leave with the world, leave as a legacy, what do you think you would say in just a couple of sentences? Yeah, I'm just seeing more and more that obviously my belief is that true beauty is in our midst and that true beauty is actually the life of God at work in us and all around us. And my hope would be that I could leave people with the belief that and the reminder that God is in our midst. He or she is very real, very loving, and is truly profoundly beautiful and good. Wow. That's gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your words. Thank you for your work. And thank you for sharing with us today. And I, I have to say, Ellie, your your work is is profoundly important and it's been transformational and, and life-changing mm-hmm. for me. So thank you as well for the beautiful work you're doing in the world. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Thanks for listening to the Find Your Voice podcast. We hope this inspires you to pick up a pen and start finding the words that will change your life, your community, and your world. If you liked what you heard today, share with a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, check out our website, findyourvoice.com. Subscribe to our Monday Motivation for free and get inspiring writing prompts in your inbox each week. Until next time, happy writing.